welcome everybody to the Polarized Podcast, those alliterations, PP. I am your host, Brandon Stables. This is a podcast about movies, polarizing movies in particular. Today, we are going to be talking about a polarizing movie, Mona Lisa Smiles, which is a 34% stinky by the critics and 60%. Yeah, good. Popping, popping corn on the audience <laughs> side. But yeah, again, this is a movie about polarized movies in the sense of Rotten Tomato scores, like I had just given. Um, I am not the only person that's going to be talking. I am also going to be talking with some other people. And one of those is my we well we call him forever guest but he's legitimately a co-host everybody warm welcome for me hello it's me jane the james i'm the the james the forever guest i'm back again for for another rousing episode of the Mm -hmm. polarized pod where we get into polarizing movies but the Mm -hmm. hosts me and you brandon we're we're magnetizing yeah, hosts. Or the hostess with the mostest, you know, and today, today is a, today's a great day to record a pod. In my opinion, you know, it's like the weather outside, it's rainy. You don't really, you know, want to go out anywhere. You just want to, you know what? Hopefully people listening out there bundle up and sit back and get ready for a hell of a movie. In my opinion, I, um, I had not seen this movie before. I feel like my only recollection of this movie was there was like, did it win an award? I I should have looked this up beforehand, but um, I just remember it being very popular and being like, huh, that movie looks fine. Um, Do I have any interest in seeing it? I would have been 13 years old. Do I want to see a movie called Mona Lisa Smile? Not really that into that. But I do remember it being kind of a big deal. And I think mainly because of Julia Roberts. But now, having seen it, I now understand that it's more so because it is just bursting at the seams with uh, up-and-coming young talent in this movie. But yeah, not not too much of a history with this movie. What about you, James? Uh, no history beyond just seeing the title and uh, knowing that Julia Roberts was in it, but not knowing anything past that just seeing like the cover of them like looking now i've seen the movie them looking at the jackson pollock painting um and that oh my god i love that and the font and i maybe saw a trailer or something that i forgot at the time in 2003 but it was not really on my radar apart from like oh that's an interesting title even so much so that i think us picking this one for the podcast we were kind of like I don't know. I was. I always just make a list of a lot of Rotten Tomatoes. I'll just mm-hmm. kind of scrounge uh, through Rotten Tomatoes a bit some scrounge. some days. And just like, scrounge. And just, yeah, I just, just go through the filth, the filth of the tomatoes and just like, mm, which Ooh. ones? What's all the discourse here? And uh, and mm-hmm. I just threw this one on the list, and uh, here we are. And it was just like on on a, a pile of suggestions that we were thinking about. And Absolutely. both of us just thought it was an interesting title. We've heard of it and it would be interesting to try because we, we have no idea what it's about. And now we're on the other side and uh, it's, it's an interesting process of uh, watching and hopefully discussing a movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're not going to be the only ones today talking about this movie. I want to bring in our guest so we can get her thoughts. Well, thoughts in general, but also her history with this movie. If she has any, uh, I would like to intro into the pod, Miss Cara. 
Hello. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> doing a little etiquette <laughs> training, right? Trying to smile, like my Yeah, <laughs> just a re- yeah, really taking heed to the uh, lessons of Nancy Abbey uh, or Marcia Gay Harden. Marcia. Marcia. I think so. Okay. I love Marcia. Marcia. Yeah, Marcia Gay Harden sounds correct. Sounds. She right. may be an like, MGH, but she's kind of an MVP for me. Ooh, in okay. Many, many movies that she's in. Oh my god! Well, we gotta. Yeah, I'm down to talk about that. But Cara, hey, especially one meet Joe Black, <laughs> a MJB movie, very good. Hello, Cara. Hi. Hello. How are you? Very well. <laughs> Good, what's good. what's your, your history with what, this movie? Because what's your walk with Mona Lisa? We we watched it together, but we didn't really get too into the discussion. Your nice. first time Save watching it. Besides, I think you just said you'd seen it when maybe it first came out. Yeah. So um, back in the day when there was no Netflix mm-hmm. or any streaming services, there was this thing called TBS. Yes. Or mm-hmm. TNT. Mm-hmm. And it was like a cable station that, um, or was it, was it a cable station? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I would say this so. Ted Turner. <laughs> Back in the yeah. day, this man named Ted Turner. Um, it, I think one of those channels would play this movie a lot or just, I mean, it played it once or twice and I had seen it through and three times a lady. <laughs> <laughs> and this I remember watching movie. it. Yeah, Yeah, like during the day, it was on during the day, and it just made me smile. Oh, oh, well, a mission accomplished movie. (laughs) There we go. Would it make you sad as well? Would you? Would it make you frown in a sad way? Um, out of one side of your mouth and smile with the other. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I was just smiling. Just smiling. Just having a good time. It wasn't too dramatic. Yeah, because I was like young back then probably like 12 or something. And I didn't fully understand the idea of like being, being a feminist and all that stuff. So it was just like a fun movie. Like it didn't seem like that, like the the message. Like the coming of age side is definitely a big part of it. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But I didn't understand how like important these stories were of these women, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, yeah, more grand grand kind of scale. Yeah. It doesn't, It it has those moments of getting into it, but it doesn't doesn't go too, really yeah it doesn't go too deep in anything yeah. really. Graphic, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, it's it, it is. I like the really, coming of age side. I do like yeah. that side. too. Yeah, you love a yeah. kind of a college movie. Um, yeah, and the relationships and the casting and and all that stuff. Yeah, it's kind of it's a good it's a feel good movie. I would say. Yeah, yeah, mostly. It, yeah. It, I would say mostly too. Um, it is feel the ending not to jump all the way to it, but I'll just make the point because of, you know, kind of what we're talking about now, but like it is feel good in not a sense that everything is going to necessarily be okay. It's mm-hmm. feel good in the sense that there people are moving in a direction that has a lot of potential and po- and mm-hmm. to, like positive momentum maybe, which I, which is always yeah. like kind of a, okay. kind of a cooler approach to a happily ever after you know more of a generic um conclusion to this you know to the story to a movie and i kind of i kind of appreciated the shit out of it for doing that not kind of i did um everyone has their arc and there's some some growth for everyone yeah 
yeah, yeah, like you said, it didn't get too deep and it there wasn't too much like drama. I mean, there was, but like not like nothing super, super horrible happened. Little pops. I mean, little pops. Little of, pops. Little pops. Yeah. But like because because of the way that it does, it would be a little bit of the criticism of of just how it's handled uh with Kirsten yep. Dunst and how Yeah. That's relegated to her is kind of tough for her as a character and you do feel bad for her, but how it's portrayed in, in the movie is a little uh, like blunt force objects of, of uh, dealing mm-hmm. with emotions in a, in a movie rather than um, sure. a little more subtlety, but you know, that's, that's, I mean, absolutely fair. Yeah. Cause I mean, to start getting into the plot of it, it's like, it is pretty like if you were to like, you know, kind of take a step like or like kind of not let the movie's like guilty pleasureness of it get mm-hmm. to you and 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 with a more critical eye you're like a lot of this stuff is like really ham-fisted and signaling from like a mile away <laughs> like you have an idea of like how yeah. everybody's gonna kind of have their dramas in this from yeah. very early on in the movie um because the yeah it's just that first scene of the classroom man just you know really sets mm-hmm. up like i'm this type of character I wasn't crazy i'm about this that. one <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah it's a lot it's a lot of that's when it, that's like when it come off like, a... like came off like unnatural and it almost would seem like in certain instances like people weren't in the same room together even talking to each other because it was so overly scripted in a way where people were just now I say my thing and now you mm-hmm. say yours rather than like yeah. it being congruous together. But the students just knowing everything and then none, like just downplaying so, the teacher in, in such a way was such a weird, unnatural way of introducing the two. I get that it wants to set them at odds, but the way that they that happened just is strange is very strange because yeah i mean what we would arguably be used to is the teacher is not confident in her ability to communicate the the subject or like you know the curriculum or whatever but it's not but the kids are like yeah they're not experts on this yet or they aren't as i don't know they yeah typically it's not the kids know more than the teacher necessarily well it's not like that's totally true but you get what i mean and instead it's like all of them are such nerds i guess is really what i'm getting at like, or we're a bunch just of, like um, a bunch of nerds everybody who's read the entire um, textbook before day even, one. If they, even if they did go like i don't know going through the motions and classes a part of it sorry Mm, sure yeah right it was just trying to like obviously you guys know that it's just trying to show that they're overachievers and like they run Mm -hmm. that them and their families run the school like Mm -hmm. they run wesley like teachers just yeah they don't hold the power at that school i think obviously you guys know that's what they were trying to like say yeah but the way it was done it just wasn't yeah yeah because like kind of what to james was saying is that it's you but it's not like they've never been in a classroom before like even if you do know more than the teacher you're a college-age student like you've had to have had high school teachers where this was the case too and you're all just gonna like talk over her as she presents it or just yeah, like, yeah there's, they're also there's, like all coming from like privileged backgrounds so like they sure. just they what whatever they do goes 
you know, mm. like whatever they do and say goes. So they kind of make the rules. And I think yeah. they were just trying to prove that to her, like show her that they were in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the end, absolutely. The end result satisfied what they wanted, but I guess getting there for me just can't, it was a little, some of that stuff is a little clunky just mm-hmm. how it's how it's portrayed but i understand that them kind of hazing her as a new teacher and mm-hmm. into the the new regime and everything and she is a little bit of an outsider to all all of them even as students and everything so i can see from that side but how it was done was just a little clunky the fall the follow-up to it uh i overall enjoyed that scene of her kind of trying to yeah, I always like those scenes yeah, in these kind of mo- these kind of movies of a teacher trying to make them think differently, and that's where they wanted to get as well as having this opening scene of 100%. of like, oh well, if that's how it's going to be, then let me really try to teach you something new or make you think for yourself and learn to be independent and not try to just regurgitate what's being given to you through the, this book that everyone's read and knows like the back of their hand and everything. It's like, okay, well. How do you feel? And that's a that's the overall thrust of of what she's trying to do for them and everything. And I think that's something again in in these kind of movies of teaching kids independence uh, in a coming of age story uh, is I yeah hard not to have a soft spot for those kind of stories. I feel like mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is again like I said before, this is like the who's who in my mind of um, up and coming female actresses. Um, or actors, I'm sorry, um, of the time. And so I kind of wanted to run through them and how, you know, how familiar you are with their work. Um, were they, were the, you know, have they been, uh, in, you know, kind of have you followed them from, you know, from not this movie necessarily, but like all of them have been in working actors for a while now. Um, and I'm curious how everybody feels about like maybe your favorite person, um, be it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the character, but how well the actor actor is like, uh, doing that character. But nonetheless, like we got Kirsten Dunst, Julia Stiles, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and then Jennifer Goodwin, I'm the least familiar with, but I, she's been in stuff. I feel like, God, she was on a big part of a TV show that's yeah, once like upon a time. Definitely looks super once cool. upon a time. She that's played what Snow it, White. Yeah. Which is obviously I would assume is an enormous character in that show. That's probably, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, from two, 2011 to 2018, once upon a time. So wow. wow that's a, a long time. What a popular show. Also magnetized 78, 78, but it is a movie. So we mm-hmm. wouldn't, or it's a TV show. So we wouldn't include that, but. Um, she was in a walk the line. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was um, that after? That was after this movie. 2005, yeah, a couple of years yeah. after. Mm-hmm. When a Date with Tad Hamilton was 2004. Oh, and the other one too, uh, He's Not Into You or something like that. Where like... Yes, he's just yes, not, he's just not in, Yeah, he's yep. just not into you. Oh, I remember. Oh my God, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. I, I don't know if I really liked that movie, but I did see it. Um, mm-hmm. That's for sure, because it had... Uh, I just remember E from Entourage is in it. What's his face? Um, God, yeah, that was one of those like, you know, rom-coms with Mm -hmm. uh, just a bunch of couples and characters in it, Um, which I can, yeah, definitely like most people are a sucker for. Um, 
Yeah, and then who but else is in this? She uh, was great like, in this movie. I'll just say Lily Je- Jennifer. Yeah, Gibbon. I liked she, her. I, I, I really liked her character. Her yeah, a lot. I think mm-hmm. she was doing mm-hmm. some great work here. She's charming, she yeah. really did dug yeah. deep on some crying stuff that was really emotional. Um, I also like really more so than others got a lot of like her her like development, like an actual change in her character mm-hmm. was noticeable. Um, yeah. you know, from beginning to end of the movie, which man, yeah, I think, um, and her relationship, sort like a story of her relationship was wholesome and heartwarming yeah. and you were That's expecting nice. their confrontation to be more negative from coming from him of him moving mm-hmm. on to a different girl and, and, you know, trying I'm to hide her away and everything, all that, <laughs> all that stuff. And like the, the, how he was trying to reach out to her and she actually acted upon those negative mm-hmm. uh, inclinations that ultimately like sabotaged her own wants and desires and everything. Yeah. I liked, yeah. And the guy from the bear that that's yeah, a little, man. Oh, a little baby, baby, bear, I, or baby I, cousin, baby What's cousin. Ba- him. Because he's great. Eben, right? Beautiful. He's got, like, he's got very pretty eyes. Yeah. And he's a, uh, yeah, he's in that, was it Andor show? He's, he's really good. In oh, that. is he? Okay. Yeah, he's really good in that. Um, he's he's just awesome as an actor overall. Yeah. And was it Kristen Ritter? Is that her name? And like, oh, uh, yeah, she says actor. nothing in the movie. I was so yeah. shocked. She says anything. Yeah, she's just she kind of there. Zero things, and she's just as <laughs> in the background. Yeah. And then there's one scene in particular where like somebody walks i think like julia roberts walks by her so she's like very prominently on the screen Mm -hmm. and it just really blew me away that i'm like wow so she's just not gonna have anything to say in this movie (laughs) that's crazy you know from kind of what turn you know how her there's already too many women (laughs) there's too many women talking and can't have more women talking <laughs> I mean, it's like one of those kids in the honestly, Harry Potter not, movies that's uh, like, oh, that kid's been in yeah. all the Harry Potter movies, yeah. but hasn't said anything. <laughs> oh my God. I agree, Kara. Cause like, and I think I don't want to agree because, you know, I mean, it's like, well, if there's a bunch of great characters, it's like, you know, more please. But um the movie doesn't handle well all of these characters yeah there's like a there's like a period in like the middle front middle of this movie where it's jumping between all of them so quickly where it kind of blew me away that a like checking in on what this character's up to was so incredibly brief like yeah, i feel like we would I just agree. get like a scene of a character where they have like a couple like very few lines of dialogue and then it I know cuts exactly away what you mean yeah the editing, in this, editing in this movie was yeah kind of shitty. pretty clunky and and how it's shot and everything too was yeah not uneven. great and not or just like un, yeah uneven and just the way that the cuts and at which point that they would cut and how the shot would be composed was a mm. little iffy at some parts and i know car and i even were just like commenting on when like Ricardo, you commented on when like there was like a crane shot or something that was overlooking, you know, a nice part of the the campus, but it just wasn't composed in a way that there was focus on any object. It was just all like there in the shot. Yeah, Yeah. it was just kind of just, and then it cut away and at a weird point of it, and it just seemed kind of forced in rather than purposeful. However, I did like some of the lighting in this movie, and I'm wondering if that's a combination mm-hmm. of like glowy, like morning light mixed mm-hmm. with shooting on film. 
on yeah. a bunch of beautiful women's faces. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like and do the we campus kinda, seemed really beautiful too. Like, yeah. I don't know, just the, the light on their faces just looked so nice and, and glowy and everything and their complexion yeah. and, and all that. Uh, maybe that was a part of it, but I don't know. Yeah, like the morning time on the campus and it's a it was a nice nice campus and, and all that stuff too. So maybe it just looks good for those those reasons. But I'll, I'll give it that credit. There's something about this time that uh, was maybe it's missing like a little bit of that uh, filmmaking sort of feel a little bit warmer sort maybe of tone they, tones they didn't get enough like <clears throat> shots during production and like they just needed to like fill in little missing things to show passage of time and just yeah i know what you mean like the editing didn't feel or it just there was just a lot of unnecessary scenes that didn't really do anything other than like show time passing i guess yeah, yeah, no, little totally. ch- check in with every one of the characters yeah. every every now and then, and it would be like a floor. Like there, I, there were a couple times where I'm just like, "What was the point of that? Like, why did we just I, why, I did, know, we why just, did we just, just jump over, show a little something, and then jump mm-hmm. away?" And it's like I, get maybe it. for characterization yeah. or something, but it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't and then anything else going on. It just mm-hmm. was like also this, but didn't yeah. propel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah. just it was just a little strange and, and clunky, but in these kind of movies like it's cool to be with the characters in a coming of age thing but this all this movie also is like kind of pur- purposing itself with some loftier ideas so you kind of want them to mm-hmm. get yeah, to those a, a little bit more if they are going to try to accomplish uh talking about some of the the loftier things and they save those moments for some yeah some pops like some really intense dramatic moments that uh kind of culminate which i'm a little i don't know i'm a little mixed on 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 some of it but the the overall messaging and and the the heart seems to be in the right place for a lot of it Mm -hmm. so the the uh momentum overall i think gets me of of the movie yeah totally for a period of time i was like is this not passing the bechdel test i felt like so much of this movie was like women talking about boys like a majority of the time and i and it just like really kind of drove me nuts where i'm like man i really want like these girls to like talk about their interests more and everybody's just consistently talking about like who's dating who you know or when is somebody going to get married and all of that stuff and it just it was really at a point driving me nuts where it was legitimately like up like 40 minutes into the movie i was like has any is anybody here talked about anything other than just like, yeah, when are you going to start a family? When are you going to get married? Who are you? Do- and it was really. And I know it was like heavily nuts. focused on like women choosing their career or like themselves versus a family life. But like, it kind of is clear that it was written and directed by a man where like, yeah. maybe they're like, this is what women talk about. This is like, all they oh, talk it's about. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it is. We do talk about a lot of that stuff, but I mean, they're just like we said earlier. There wasn't very, there wasn't a lot of depth to like a lot of stuff they were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I enjoyed the uh, discussions of art history. I thought that was something that was universal. That was had a universality to it, regardless of of what movie you're watching about. Whoever, Mm -hmm. like, just like the. At this mm-hmm. time, the idea within the college system, too, of 
pushing against Julia Roberts to not teach modern art and not to con- even consider it. And I like that. I like how she used the word consider the Jackson Pollock painting to consider modern art as, as with, you know, the Sistine Chapel. And even if you haven't been there, you haven't seen it and all this gatekeeping about what art should be and everything. That was a side of this movie that I, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted more of. It kind of does a little bit of everything it says mm-hmm. on the surface, but sure. that is an aspect of it overall, not to want yeah. to change the movie or anything, but that is, that is an aspect that I liked. It is a little ham fisted when she shows all the, you know, the propaganda of the advertisements mm-hmm. of, of women. That's a little ham fisted, but well, but also her point is really, it is really well, valid. Oh really my God. Valid, yeah. well made and everything is just very like in mm-hmm. your, yeah, but I mean, it's a good, and I like the idea that they're using advertising. It's like, is this art and trying to question what art is all that, all that stuff I think was, mm-hmm. I was globbing on to a lot. Yeah, did you those guys, were some did of my favorite moments, yeah. like, of, yeah, like when they were talking about art and I liked her relationship with Julia Stiles' character. Like, I know was there good. wasn't that much like progression from her character, but like anything, she's like a very normal woman like that. She knew what she wanted. She's yeah, like, she's, yeah, I want to apply to law school, but I still want to get married. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't really have any conflicts, and it's fine. Like, you don't have to have conflicts. Like, you can also be a woman that's like, I know what I want. Yeah. And uh-huh, her totally. relationship with Julia style, or I mean, with Julia and Julia, Julia, <laughs> Julia, Julia and Julia, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> they both. Um, I don't know. It was just nice to have like that woman mentor in her life and. I liked that relationship a lot because it's okay. Like you don't have to like, there doesn't have to be conflict. It's okay to be a feminist and still want to do what people would say is not feminist and like get married and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So yeah, I mean, she eloped too. She's doing exactly what she wants. It seems like how she, how she wants to. And even if that is like a, a mutual love between her and, and Topher, and mm-hmm. and figuring oh, out what what, what, life, <laughs> what life means for God. for both of both of them, but um, I I, I enjoyed the, the how that story came to fruition. That seemed to be the main thrust of the story as well, because Julia Roberts and the journey that she goes on uh, has has some to do with the art push art history and pushing back on that and everything and how she wants to teach her classes. She has her romantic entanglements as well. But I think how she looks at Julia Stiles' character really validates all of those arcs in in one Mm -hmm. singular moment when she tries to offer her all these other law schools in the Philadelphia area and tells her that she can do it. And and she rebuffs her and tells her, you know, this is how I want to live my life. And I think that acceptance from Julia Roberts just brings Mm -hmm. all of what yeah. she's been learning throughout the movie to a close in a pretty nice way through Julie Stiles and how vicariously Julie Roberts was trying to kind of live through her or use her as a, as a point, you know, within, uh-huh. mm-hmm. within her, you know, teaching methods and at the school and everything. And I think learning about that and how she was, what she was doing with, with her students and, and all that realized you need to, look a little bit more inward and and uh maybe go back to like her life in, in a different way but yeah there's no one way to be part. a feminist yeah, and right. you can't gatekeep mm-hmm. being a feminist 
you know which what I mean? Julia which, Roberts was. Yeah, like by and large. this is the right way to be a feminist. Mm-hmm. This is how you do fem- feminism. I like and, that moment a lot. Yeah, there is multiple ways you can be a feminist. And so yeah. I don't know how well though I like Julia Stiles as an actor. Cause oh. like I was really struggling with her. I like what her character was about, but she just has such a like. I don't know. It's not like an expressive face. Mm-hmm. It's kind of very mm-hmm. statuesque. And it, it, I don't know. There's something about it that just it's it. at times I it was like me <laughs> like I'm misreading her performances like she's too smart. So she's like thinking about something else and she's not present in the moment or her it's just maybe it came off to me as like ineptitude but it just this was a the like her performance i think was something that stuck out to me the most as being like i don't know if she is able like the stuff that she had to work with she wasn't in my mind handling it all that well i just it i understand that like on the flip side then there's kirsten dunce who was like wow going like swing into the fences like every single conversation she's in she's like you know kind of got this whole That's body tough. language thing going that on tough, and then she's it. just like so much is being said with her eyes and man yeah. kirsten dunce is like woo, what, uh, like what, <laughs> bring what a lot what they're tasking her with and i, I agree with you completely but that what they're tasking her with the writing there and near the the second half of this movie after she's married and going through everything that she's going through with her husband at that time and how she changes as a character is tough to handle as an actress in those scenes because we're like okay Kirsten these next two scenes you're going to be a complete asshole to your friends and just tear them a new one I know like you're going to enter stage left (laughs) you're going to make them feel like complete shit and then leave (laughs) twice in a row and it's just like that's i gotta go back to my empty house she i mean she may she has conviction in everything that she says and she has and she's aiming to hurt in those scenes and everything but near the end you're just like whoa geez god (laughs) because she she lays it on connie about jennifer goodwin about he's just trying to like he's already with forget like you hide you from the world and and everything like Mm -hmm. that and then she goes and then the second one i think that was that's where it just got to be a little a little much where she just walks through the door on maggie gyllenhaal's (laughs) character and it's just like yeah well i hear you're turning tricks and everybody knows everybody knows (laughs) it's always her move is this and everybody knows it you know it's like oh or wasn't it so then she sweet breaks how down Maggie, and then yeah, you, you how she reacts to really her? Like, yeah. She could have been like, well, I saw your fucking like husband. Mm-hmm. Best but, thing in the movie. And my that's my money is on that. Like, that blew oh me away. God. That's where it's like, mm-hmm. this oh. is, that's what I mean. Like this movie, yes, it has its downfalls, but like it's heartwarming. It's feel good. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's not the greatest movie in the world, but that's like it has those moments. Like I, when I watched this, yesterday i like teared up a couple times yeah. you know because like you know you could have all these problems but when you have your tribe when you have your group of girls and they're there to support you it's like one of the best feelings in the world like i, and I, I mean same for men i'm sure too just to have your group of 
people, you know, in general. It's universal too. I mean, yeah. in, the, in the last, the last scene with them, uh, the boys, hey, the, boys. <laughs> the last the scene boys. with them riding the bikes and, you know, saying mm-hmm. goodbye to her was just uh, a really yeah. nice, nice oh, that, to yeah. end on. It just, I, re- I felt good. Yeah. The movie. She's like nice. crying in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's so fucking touching because like, it's great. Like I'm, you know, like I said at the top about the, where this movie leaves us is she makes the decision not to return. She's going to go do this whole thing. She doesn't know if it's going to work out, but there's just like such a, like new lease on life that is going to help define this next part of her. Mm-hmm. And I am just so proud of Julia or Julia Roberts for doing it. And it made me so happy. And yeah, but that scene man with Kirsten Dunst and Maggie Gyllenhaal, which Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is my favorite in the movie. I mean, it's unsurprising. (laughs) Unsurprising. Because she's like the only one that's really like outside of the school a lot of the time. So like if, if we're ever like at the bar or like, like just out in public somewhere, Maggie's there, everybody else is so relegated to like Mm. being on campus or Kirsten's dunce is like at her, you know, home, Mm -hmm. but Maggie's like out and about town. She's the the Maddie. They're engaged. (laughs) (laughs) And it was surprising to me how much I liked Maggie's performance because typically I don't like her. Mm -hmm. She just has this like very like snooty. Mm -hmm. She's kind of got that like Anne Hathaway vibes to me Mm -hmm. sometimes where she's just like, I don't know. Under, like sm- yeah. smoking her cigarette and just being like, <laughs> I, yeah. So, oh, like, yeah, I'm such a thespian, you know? Yeah. Like, it works for like, the, yeah, the youthful energy kind of just works mm-hmm. for, for all of that. But yeah. I, I'm kind of on, the, really on the same boat as you. I like, I like Stranger Than Fiction, Maggie Gyllenhaal. She was good in that. Remember her there's, in a, that. there's some other good, good roles, I'm sure, too. But back to that emotional scene with There's, Kirsten Dunst, like I had no idea how that was going to end, like yeah. because the editing of this movie, where Maggie was at in her like journey, I was half expecting like she's in a really tough spot too, like she's gonna mm-hmm. fucking like, <laughs> she's gonna punch her. I like, seriously thought it was gonna break out in a fight, you know. And then for that to happen, it was like made me kind of like like other earlier parts better because it mm-hmm. seems so like smart and nuanced like she's sleeping around with psychology professors she's into psychology and then for it to like be put into action at such a moment where you could like not hold on to your standards or not hold on to your convictions instead she does and she goes for it and says like no, what this person is doing is they're hurting and I can see that and adding more pain to this isn't what this person needs. They need compassion and love to get through this because that's obviously something that's missing. And man, I was really like choked up and and blown away. Yeah, I was was so relieved because I was worried that it was going to get melodramatic and escalate Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. drama in a different way. And I was happy and overall relieved to see it take that turn. And that's what I was saying earlier is that like, yes, there's drama, there's things that happen to each character, but they never get too intense. Like it's mm, the drama's right. never like too dramatic. That was the closest. I, at least yeah. I don't and I it don't think dissipated in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. It really kind of yeah. Cause I mean this movie could have been they get in a fight and then it's yeah. rec- reconciliation of that, right? 
Yeah, it's more, more feel good. I would say this mm-hmm. movie is more leaning towards more feel good than like it being this tragic, mm-hmm. dramatic. Julia Roberts mm-hmm. makes some like stands as a teacher to illustrate a lesson of showing the ads and then showing the Jackson Pollock painting. But the drama between her and the students is only at the beginning of the movie for that one scene. And then it passed that they are all one on, on the yeah. same team apart from maybe Kirsten Dunst writing a few schmear pieces mm-hmm. in the papes, little, little I, yellow journalism. I, that, and, um, and so uh, fucking annoying. I was like, yeah. why, why is all of this like stuff with the school administration being so predicated on a student writing a fucking op-ed <laughs> piece in a paper? Like, why aren't we, if you're, if you're really going to part, everyone's picking up the papers. Every- <laughs> like also too, cause Close I really loved, uh, Juliet Stevenson, the the like the teacher who gave the or nurse maybe I don't know like mm-hmm. the person the mm-hmm. woman that yeah. gave the yeah. uh, birth control like I loved her like she was awesome from jump I was like oh she's got like such a cool interesting vibe and then they kind of just do away with her so her. quickly and I was like fuck man and but so then it just kind of left me being like she got. She got fired because of hearsay and a bunch of like, where was the like, I don't know, um, kind of trial or some type of like legitimate evidence and shit that came to light. And it just kind of fed back into this whole thing of like so much of Kirsten Dunst's like influence on how things were going with like Julia Roberts is like you know, relationship with the administration and all that was all just like, so one student is bitching and moaning and we're well, just going to be like. She yeah. comes from a powerful, like they were talking about how the alumni basically ruin, mm. uh, rule the schools. So like she comes from that alumni family and then she's married to the guy who's like parents are keeping up with the Joneses. So mm. they all like influence the school more than anyone else. 100%. The actual yeah. Joneses. I, I, actual Joneses. Jones. Yeah. Those are the, the Joneses. Um, I get that, but and I know that I this is a weird nitpick because I'm like I want the movie to be longer. I needed to have a <laughs> I need to have like a yeah some type of yeah like round table where they're like okay so here's you know here's the evidence and this is why and all of that stuff. But um anyways it just it all kind of fed into like God Kirsten Dunst's character is such a little fucking shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, the ability yeah. to be able to shuffle people away who don't think the same as you and aren't on the same like same uniform way of way of thinking as as the rest of the school catered to the you know the dynamic of of what the school represented and what mm-hmm. Julia Roberts represented coming in there and everything and being able to illustrate that oh if you get them to think too independently or on their own then they can just shuffle you away very easily but yeah, yeah. it's a bummer i mean yeah i would the i was waiting for that to come back in a way as well in my mind i thought someone was going to get pregnant because there was a lack of you know, birth control, mm, contraception, contraception and mm-hmm. right. totally. um, like Maggie Gyllenhaal or something. And Dominic West, we're going to uh, have, uh, uh-huh, have sure. a little, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. little, little Dom- baby Bill Dunbar. And, baby uh, Bill. McNulty. Man, man we got some, uh, yeah, some uh, good looking older men in this movie that John, <laughs> John Slattery. It yeah. was cool to see, see Mad him Men and the wire. These, these yeah. It's like, big wow, ass. man, you got Dominic West and John Slattery. Slattery Somebody, rules, man. 
Slattery fucking rips. He, I love that guy. Yeah, he was such was a he in fun. Sex and City? Uh, yeah, yeah. He played like a politician that dated Carrie. Very cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't care for like any of Julia Roberts's relationships. I'm like, I don't really care mm. to get into her like love life. Like, That's I just fair. want her to be like invested in the students. Like, I don't know. I didn't want to know about her relationship with Dominic West. I mean, John Slattery. Slattery was. I'm fun, glad so that she didn't at least end up with either of them. Yeah, that's, that's kind oh, of a right. Relief, but she yeah, did like, leave, huh? Yeah, it didn't. Yeah. yeah, it didn't. Nothing really came out of mm-hmm. it besides just her well people came james but you know you, i get what you mean i did <laughs> julia roberts and dominic west and the apparently julia roberts husband at the time was like on set during the love making scenes between her and dominic west oh why so, which was barely anything because he worked like, as like some second unit director or some shit i don't know he like worked on the movie helping, weird cuckold situation going on yeah so house. he had a he was just in there like I don't know, Dominic. I might do it a little differently. <laughs> but don't oh, ask God. me. Don't ask me. I wouldn't know. Ooh, I don't know. Just But there uh, were like no sex scenes. It was just him laying by the fireplace like, and then yeah, that's pretty that's much true. it. Like there that's wasn't like it. any intimate moment between them. Maybe because he was on set. Yeah, there was yeah. no actual well, yeah. Brandon said someone came. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I mean I would assume I guess I yeah, you're right. I'm maybe I'm just making the assumption, but yeah, it seemed like Julia and John were having having some uh, yeah having some fun sex, and then the Dominic stuff seemed yeah what an Italian teacher, I, yeah and you gotta it's always a fraud. He's a fraud. He's a phony. He's a fraud. He's a phony. He was stationed in Long Island. <laughs> his his buddy was. He was funny. Well, yeah, funny that and was... had such weird energy. Where yeah. he yeah I don't know like he is kind of this like bumbling nervous guy. But then when she busts in on him naked in the shower, he kind of just like stands at attention and goes like, and hey, objectifies like, her. That's such a power oh, move. Yeah. Like, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm naked, but I'm like, Oh, you look great. We did that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's all just hey, so buddy. like, uh, <laughs> put some clothes um, on. He puts his glasses <laughs> on and then it's like, wow, you look great. <laughs> I'm all sudsy. I'm all sudsy. <laughs> My friends uh, call me Sudzy. Yeah, that Freon bit. He's like, that's the future. Um, he worked. Dominic West. Yeah. Go way back to Long Island, Italy, San Remo, whatever he said. Bullshit. Uh, so, okay, so speak, back to the fisted stuff. So there's one male teacher on a at an all-women's college, which I feel like is illegal, right? Like, that can't be a thing. Yeah, is that a... I don't know if that's a thing or not. Only for Italian... Know. Only, only if you're, if you're yeah. only for the lang- the love only language if you're of that Italian. Good looking as Dominic was. Yeah. Only yeah, it just to me, I I yeah, these are the things that I, like stops my brain and I get wrapped up while I'm watching these movies. I just like literally for I feel like five minutes. I was just like thinking about like, I don't think that would they would do that. Like it would be yeah. female professors at a at a all women school like why would and then the crazy thing is is that the one male teacher at the college is hooking up with the students i know you're like like and it's okay well why is he just getting away with this (laughs) like i don't know i know and they seem so anal about everything else they brought it up so many times and i'm like why are they still he like doesn't get punished or anything he's just like don't do that it's It's, i mean yeah 
Billy Robinson's like, just don't do that. He speaks a little Italian. He gets his way out of it. I, yeah. I, oh man. Yeah, no, totally. And it just, it's, it's too like, it's too stereotypical, you know, it's like yeah. a good, good looking Italian teacher at the all girls school is hooking up with his students. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it, it it is weird because since we really only are with the main cast, it then comes off as like, everybody knows about the, him sleeping with people. So then it just seems like since we don't see anybody else's perspective on campus, so it just kind of seems like the whole campus understands that Mr. Yeah, Dunbar like, is hooks up with his yeah. students and everybody yeah. just understands that. But somehow he his position at the school is never in question. He yeah. never has any issues with the president. Like there isn't anything dealt with it. It's so bizarre mm -hmm. for a movie about like progressive, you know, you know, kind of lifestyles and ideologies. Like you're just going to have such a archaic stereotypical situation happen it's i just so strange yeah. but at the same the time double, this the was, double standard for the man i guess would be the thing it's like uh first of all this was made in 2003 so of course like we'll just brush that off yeah right no <laughs> like too, you're even right, like yeah. when i was like watching dawson's creek when i was young or like a couple years ago i was like oh like katie Holmes sleeps with her um uh, one of her professors and it's just like part of the thing um so i don't Is know it ken just marino like, it was ken marino i was gonna say oh my god that's so funny oh it's funny to see him play like a serious role it is know? hilarious to see him yeah. do that because he has been such a goof in other i know stuff. So like he plays really it hard. seriously too like he's <laughs> not like trying to be silly uh, like, or ironic or anything like that he's ironic, just playing it yeah. straight yeah uh, um but yeah, that was just like kind of a thing. And I don't know, like, but then I don't know, like, okay, you guys, I, I actually am just not sure about this, but like when you're in college, you are what, like 20, are you 21 in college? You you, like, started, you, you started 18 and then 18. you go till you're 21. So I technically mean, if, if you're, you're legal, about, like, I don't know how that yeah. works in college. A, like high school would be definitely weird, but like, <laughs> are they trying to say like, oh, like, you are per, you're a progressive woman so you can sleep with people. i don't know like it just gets complicated she, she just doesn't hold it yeah. fully against him she just says yeah. no more from here on out like while we're together yes. you cannot do it but she does not say like she does not pass any judgment yeah. beyond yeah don't do it anymore because yeah. she's involved now but she doesn't seem to hold it she's willing to get entangled with him after the fact so yeah doesn't make any sense why that would be the case um that's a cool well i was point. talking about um maggie gyllenhaal's character like is she's it fine sleeping with older men yeah mm -hmm. yeah is is that fine because she's like of age and it's her decision like i don't know i'm not yeah. sure what kind of I, I school know. code there could be a school code that's, that, that, that's might, that might about. outline something mm -hmm. that's like hey <laughs> there's for sure you rules know. that you can't do that yeah that was but what i was working on maybe she, yeah maybe yeah because because it would be consensual It'd unless be consensual it was. They could, they could just age. suspend or expel or something like deal with it within the school internally within yeah. the school, but it yeah. wouldn't have to be anything beyond that maybe. But even like in the movie, like everyone on camp campus seems to know and they're getting away with it. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's really <laughs> poor. Yeah. It's a poor job by the movie to have that yeah. be a thing because or have some sort of consequence or come 
coming of oh, fruition yeah. no, to right. that at, at some point at the end for him. Yeah, make you know, a stance. Could be yeah. something that would be nice of him losing his position, you know, and at, but maybe so, that's it. The fact that he doesn't, it's a point in itself too, is that he gets, yeah, the double standard of being able to do whatever the, the hell he wants while the women get to get scrutinized more. Yeah. But it doesn't take I, that. It doesn't take the efforts to yeah. illustrate that point too far either. So whatever. But uh, I think the stuff with John Slattery too was left much to be desired in like what the point that was being made because he is established as like, I will live here with you. Like I will go, you know, uproot myself, go follow you, all of this. And then she just like immediately is dismissive about it. And then it ends really abruptly and really kind of ends off screen almost like mm-hmm. the official ending of it. Obviously it's like alluding to that, you know, leading up to, um, you know, with the bar scene and the engagement and all that stuff. But it's like, I just really didn't understand. I, it's not that I didn't understand. It's just, I think the movie poorly handled what yeah. that was supposed to represent of like, mm-hmm. Right. She's not going to settle down, get married or change her life because he wants to do that. Mm -hmm. But again, it's just weird that you kind of establish that he is so willing to work with her on whatever it takes to get there to a degree. I, I understand that like he is proposing without her really expecting it. So there is a little bit of like, you know, is he as considerate to her like where she's at and all that? But I don't know. It just, again, it just came off as like weird that you would establish that he is such a, like so in love and so willing to change his life and accommodate. And then that causes her to just drop him like so quickly. I don't know. I, I, I just wanted John Slattery around more. Maybe that's what I know. I'm getting at. I know. I did enjoy him. <laughs> in the movie. Like, damn it. You got yeah. rid of Juliet Stevenson and John Slattery it, it so definitely, quickly. Definitely could have been fleshed out more on him showing up after three months and immediately doing that, maybe set her in a different way, but it could have fleshed out a little bit of of more like confronting her reasonings of letting that relationship die when it mm-hmm. possibly had the the possibility of that marriage commitment uh is that what scared her is someone can confront her about that and have her actually be a little bit vulnerable about those feelings and instead she just kind of goes on a rebound and it's never really addressed uh beyond that and she's just kind of in a yeah a, a state of motion but there's not a lot of resonance on some of these more dramatic things there's there's kind of blow-ups here and there but it doesn't resonate and a lot of the other other things um yeah but um should we uh, uh kind of marcia gay harden tofer grace i feel like we haven't really talked i mean i, mean, I love marcia gay harden she's an amazing actress I, I think just this is a role that maybe she's typecast into yep. a lot of ways but <laughs> then also definitely. the part of it is that kind of yeah like obviously the the housewife and and everything and that kind of you know like church lady i think of like the the mm. fog or the mist or whatever the mist and she's uh, kind of like crazy church lady in in that one and sure. i think that side of it of yeah she is maybe straight lace housewife sort of type a person 
but with a lot of her characters there's this underlying either sadness or or sort of discontent yeah yeah or uh, she's not fully convinced into her own line of thinking even though she expresses it and how how things should be when the way that she portrays that little subtle being off is uh really great in a lot of performances and i thought her at the bar with that bartender was a uh, was one of the highlights of of her performance in this movie and amongst others but her getting a little little shit face and kind of revealing the truth of her her husband of not being really dead and just running running off without her and mm-hmm. uh but then she still holds him with such reverence yeah. is such an interesting sort of dynamic of so interesting of a person of having it for a movie that is does have a lot of like one dimensional sides of it with the characters, that was a moment that was a little bit more complicated in terms of how she processes her emotions and how she still her the way her ability to rationalize her in her mind and and hold this man to such esteem and her just by mere fact that she married him, um, kind of puts her in a higher place in in her own way too. But then her being able to just hang out and watch TV and enjoy herself. And Julia Roberts is like, let's go out. Like, let's do, let's do something. She's like, it's school night. Like let's, let's watch TV. This sounds fun. And Julia Roberts is trying to force her to do something that she doesn't really want to do. She is content with what she's doing at home and, and how she's living her life. And that was another lesson I thought for Julia Roberts to be like, Hey, maybe, freedom and isn't what i want for everyone else it's freedom is what they want for themselves and she wants to stay home and and watch i love lucy and i can't really blame her <laughs> even though lucy's a commie <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but uh, i mean that's an amazing point. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have much to add to it. I think you said that really well. I mean, just the, you know, she operates as the yin to the yang of Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that situation, you know, a lot of those types of situations in the movie, but you're absolutely right. Like mm-hmm. she does provide that other side, just like Julia Ro- or Julia Stiles does for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, yeah, those are strong points of the movie where, you know, because like you said earlier, James, of how the kids get on board with her pretty quickly into the movie. So those points of contention or those conflicts with her in fleshing out and making more whole and uh, and providing more depth to Julia Roberts's character is all good. It's all really, really good stuff. And a lot of those TV shows, man. Yeah, I I feel like I haven't heard about a couple like, of them. I should like guess the down. song at one point, but that was like. <laughs> They're trying to catch essentially it was it was like winning a date with like a handsome man or something, but mm-hmm. a part of it yeah. was like him singing a song and then guessing the song. Speaking of music, the music was fun and uh, I was gonna say this consent. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And then uh, uh, Tori Tori Amos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if we wanna I have Let's a little do some music here. I wanna hear that Mona Lisa song. Too. If we just want uh to give a sample of what that was like because she was the singer in I believe the wedding scene. Yeah. Um, so kind of crazy that she was invited to the wedding. In that impossible we'll bring on nobody's murder. 
really get a good shot of her, and then, like, in the movie, I was just like, yeah, who is my this person? My future is right on the horizon. Tell them that the horizon is so an good. imaginary line that recedes as you approach it. Maybe <laughs> 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 Yeah, this whole I'm scene she's just kind of singing in the background. It's kind of crazy. Like it's it goes on for a while. He he's got married. He's got a wife and kids and a mortgage. Her drink is a man. Yeah, uh, Tori Tori Amos and yeah, some just some fun music kind of strewn throughout. Uh, the score, I, I guess, is. Is, is the okay, music but... really pops, and I th- and I think it's because the score is just so generic. Yeah, the score is kind of. It's very like pull off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I have a you know a period piece mm-hmm. movie in the early two thousands, late nineties. Like, yeah, yeah we got the B sides from Cider House Rules. You think that'll work? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. <October> sky. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all of those movies, just like, yeah, I don't know, fucking Dead Poets, maybe. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, you mentioned Topher Grace. He was, he was, uh, he was good. I mean, I always like seeing Topher. Like, in he, I think that role, like, uh, <laughs> he, he feels Topher. feels pretty well. And he's, he, I guess, he took some dancing lessons for the scene with uh, Julia. But I, yeah, I guess I like how he portrays more the benign weird side of the toxic uh-huh. masculinity well, and patriarchy uh, sort of thing where it's like he's just yes. like this is how it is like it's going to be great and he's not like imposing on julia styles in this way that's like she's got to she's my girl and she's got to do all this stuff for me and he's just like he's, this he's is considerate just, like this is just yeah. the way of life and this is how and he's a, he's just in such a more like complicit sort of uh not even not even considerate sort of way it'd be inconsiderate would would be one of the things that you could levy against him and and not purposefully but not but but then once you once she confronts julia styles about it she's like no this is what we agreed upon us and we wanted to elope and that's what we decided so i don't know you never you never get a moment where julia styles ever says like this is not what i want so it's it's hard to really levy too much against him but he's there definitely is a part of him that's wrapped up in the times that this is uh occurring in the yeah. uh role gender roles of of the time i mean topher man yeah it's just good at playing that uh yeah i don't know he just it's the way that he talks it gets to me where He's just, it's very, it's like his, um, God, I'm forgetting his character on, um, that 70s show on that 70s show, but it just, he's got this, um, he's, he, it's not, he's a confident guy, but a confident idiot. And he, <laughs> yeah. Simpleton. A, a simpleton. Just kind of like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I like that side of it, him. Yeah. Me too. Me too. It's. Um, cause yeah, there was plenty of scenes in the movie where it showed him being considerate 
It's not, yeah, it's not like you got the idea that he was really controlling of Julia Stiles, which, yeah, I mean, that's to the credit of the movie because uh, it's a lot of the times this movie doesn't, uh, I don't know, I, I would argue doesn't handle all things that it's trying to do very well. But um, I think setting up his character in that way so you don't really th- think about, you know, Topher being like quote unquote controlling of Julia Stiles. And you really can kind of believe that um, Julia Stiles is a partner and an active participant in the decision making that she's talking about going on as opposed to like, cause you know, it's, it's very close in proximity uh, to a very poor relationship with Kirsten Dunst and her husband. And so there is a little bit of muddying of like, Men are making decisions for women, and that is a problem that this movie would like to address, whether it does it fully well, as you know, like we've just been talking about this whole time. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think Topher does understand the assignment well. Um, and it is overall, yeah, I don't know, kind of funny. You know, he just his energy mm-hmm. kind of like he's like a golden retriever. He's just like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> oh, she's beautiful. Oh. Isn't she beautiful? Oh, she's so wonderful. Oh, she's the best. She, uh, You're the bell of the bell of my ball. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't right. like know what's going on. He's like not aware of the dynamics, but he just like shows up and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like oh. one of the introductory scenes of him is at this wedding, I believe, where he and the boys and the boys they're like all the all the girls are like look so well put together and and beautiful and uh they're having conversations and everything and the men are sweaty have their shirts all like pulled up and everything and they're throwing around a fucking thing of bread as a football <laughs> and they're just oh inside God. they're like oh go on oh, and it's just a, piece of, <laughs> like a thing of bread or, and then he's uh, like and he's like Topher come on when introduce you. he's like hey, hey how's it going Yo, you're so beautiful oh, wow what a beautiful day oh throw me throw me the bread Jeremy <laughs> he has no problems in life no strength no, yeah. I know, man. He just I don't think he could the, understand if you no. would actually like t- sit him down and be like, "Hey, buddy." <laughs> yeah. So some real shit's going on. Um, some real yeah, shit. that's so funny to think about him. Just like, yeah, nothing's going wrong with Topher Grace's character in the slightest. He is no. just like no one told him wind, no his whole life. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. wind is wind is fully behind him, just pushing him along in life, yeah. and everything's just like you know. This is how it is. This is how things he's, go. He's no got one's the, ever told me he's got a beautiful, go smart girl that's like you know oh. <laughs> um and he's got his yeah, like best pal and they're gonna like all and be a uh, happy uh foursome together uh you know married and have kids and their kids are gonna be friends and and then uh, and he loves a vanilla ice cream cone from <laughs> 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 <It's tough>, <laughs> yeah, they give him the dog the side of wonder bread <laughs> yeah puppuccino puppuccino <laughs> <laughs> yeah one puppuccino for the guy in the, the bag and just like roll the w- down the window in the back hey it's Topher <laughs> it's Topher get him a puppuccino uh, get, well yeah I'm down, a puppuccino. I'm down to go into some reviews if you guys are there was good. one thing I just I I can't be remiss to mention is I thought it was so funny to me how all of the guys at the all boys school react to a girl over like in their dormitory. It just cracked me oh, the that hell was funny, up yeah. because no girls like, allowed. These guys are such <laughs> dorks. Like, they are what? such dorks. Like, what are you talking about? They're trying Why to bang the door down on, on, on your like, guy. <laughs> Hey, hey, you 
can't have a girl in here. It's like, hey, dork, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh my god, the drone. At least the girls nuts. had it's the like, cool like little hangout where you had to raise your hands in the air and mm-hmm. and solemnly swear Drink you're something. up to no good. And uh they had all the, a bunch of booze. Yeah, girls are cool, okay? Yeah, I mean, in comparison, I want to play the cello. That would just look fun to just like cooler than those guys in that dorm. Be hanging out and you just got a cello there. You just add dramatic effect to certain things you were saying. Like, she would do, she's like, why do you have to be so difficult? (laughs) 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 That was was so funny. I love the cello, God. I want to. That's the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> Number one instrument I wanna wanna learn one day. <laughs> Why are you always like this? <laughs> she's, she's like Kirsten's being like an asshole or something. Like, can you just lighten up? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah and like Jack, Jackson Pollock scene, I thought was I guess oh. like we haven't mentioned too much about that. Mm. I thought that was a strong point in the movie, and I really again loved how she told it. told them. Uh, Good. That's all you had to do. Don't, yeah, you don't have to, whatever, I'm paraphrasing, but you just have to consider it. You don't have to do an assignment. You don't have to do nothing. You just have to consider it. And I love that. And I think that message is something that Mm -hmm. uh, was a coming of age thing for me of uh, recognizing modern art as, and to consider it as with anything else that's ever occurred in history and be putting it on the same uh, level as everything else and uh, embracing the time that you're living in and the trendsetters of your day is, is something to be excited about and, and to, consider and to recognize and consider, and consider everyone's um choices yeah, sure. in life you know like mm-hmm. um yeah, just sure. don't judge someone because they don't choose the same thing as you or have the same values as you mm-hmm. just consider it like just consider it why they are like that and why they want that at least try to make that your default setting sure you can consider it not like choices being made and you know and 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 from there on whatever but like you know if you just if you start from this is more of a neutral thing i'm going to mm-hmm. just consider it as a thing that exists then i can stack my own opinion i mean that is yeah. really really such a healthy thing to do in, in life in general um one thing i'll say about the jackson Pollock like, is uh just i love fucking modern art so much and it blew me away again i feel like i will this will probably happen multiple times every time i just consider jackson pollock as an artist of what year it was when he was making art when he passed away it is so contemporary yeah. that you're like, wait a minute, he made that in the late forties. Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, just the lack of convention, the just pure expression. Like, oh my god, it was it. I had to look it up again. Of like, wait, like for some reason I was like, no, Jackson Pollock was making art in the late sixties. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when he had to be making art. It's not. It, he was making it in the forties actually went through the same experience um i uh started reading this book that i got from um lacma of yeah. these artists from new mexico they're like transcendental they're the transcendental painting group and i was like oh my god these paintings are like out of this world so surreal it must have been like the 80s or something it actually looks like similar to this kind of style and mm-hmm. uh, color palette and it was like yeah i think it was like 30s or 40s and they're just like ahead of their time 
Oh my God. Like artists are incredible. I know this sounds so cheesy, but like they are just so ahead of their time sometimes that like people don't, people don't appreciate that stuff till later on or, you know. Absolutely. And it's like this um, interview, I'm sure Cara, maybe you've seen it with Ethan Hawke and he talks about the importance of art and he's mm -hmm. like, more often than not, people don't value or, or uh, they don't value art until they really need it. And mm -hmm. it's one of those things where, you know, you can't just, it has to be something that you're feeding into often for it to be vibrant and alive and full of so much expression. Because if you're just cyclically, like not contributing to it or not propping it up more often than most of us do when we only really seek out, like art is, we crave it at times when we're at our highest, when we're at our lowest, all of these things. And it's just so incredibly important to the human experience to have mm -hmm. artists like this that show you, you know, just yeah. like with Jackson Pollock, it's like, you know, it's, it, it's just like the artist before him where you made that shift over like the start of postmodernism with like, you know, you're moving away from technicalities mm -hmm. being such a driving force. And like, what is good art is that it's technically immaculate. And mm -hmm. as opposed to like, no, what art, you know, art can be is just trying to make the most accurate representation of emotion, whether or not technicality yeah. has anything to do with it. It's, yeah. It's, it's timeless. Like if you think about it, 100%. like I, even though I said ahead of the, ahead of their time, it's also timeless and very simple simplicity and, um, it's just something that we, I mean, I'd like to say most people just understand naturally by looking at it is that like, it mm -hmm. feels familiar. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, it's man, what a, it's, um, it's, I forgot that Jackson Pollock also like died in a car crash, which I think oh, is wow. really, yeah. Also kind of an interesting thing. Um, because of, you know, I don't know, it's God, like people having cars readily available to them. I feel like it was like, they're like 25 years into, into that being a thing. And then, yeah, he, oh, damn. Yeah. He was also a raging alcoholic and apparently an enormous asshole, but you know, I remember <laughs> hearing about that, or reading about that somewhere. but you know, artists are, yeah, have it. I don't know. There's a, there is a stereotype that exists about artists being tortured and, mm -hmm not necessarily great hangs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but man, yeah, Jackson Pollock, cool guy. In his art, not in his <laughs> personal life. <laughs> cool guy as an artist. Well, let's uh see what some people have to say about this piece of art, the Mona Lisa smile. Uh should we start with some critic reviews? Are they reviewing the art or the movie? Yes. <laughs> What is art, Kara? Come sit down. I'm considering it. Did you read your supplemental material before coming to this <laughs> podcast? This is grotesque. <laughs> is it art? You may is look at art. The grotesque side. Man, they, uh, what did this Julia person? Roberts, like, even though uh, Andy Warhol is not in like making, like, I don't know, maybe he was making art at this time, but like, he's not who he was until later past this movie. But man, the point she was making with the um, advertisements is so just all of it was a case for why uh, Andy Warhol would be a thing, you know, is just 
because uh, she I can't remember what the line is, but talking about like, you know, aliens or like people in the future, like looking at this period of time in art and and identifying advertisements is like or it would be synonymous, like art and advertisements would be the same thing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can't remember exactly how the quote went, but it was just such a like pretty salient point mm-hmm. as to, you know, what would end up being, you know, Andy Warhol's whole thing, of, <laughs> um, you know understanding that very well and yeah and banksy too yeah and banksy too absolutely did i mention that i'm banksy anyways well we all knew that (laughs) we'll start with david anson from newsweek says it's pu rotten because the critics gave it a 34 percent average poopy doopy snoopy meter on the rotten tomato scale david anson says the cartoon notions of the 50s and snooty Easterners say more about Hollywood cluelessness than about the period the film condescends to. Lacking the courage of its own vulgarity, Mona Lisa smile is as tepid as old bathwater. Ooh. Ooh. Nev Pierce from P- BBC. Do you think that is uh, Jacob Alordi bathwater? Or what oh do we think? Oh my God, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Nev Pierce from P- from BBC.com says it's devoid of enjoyment, intelligence, or interest. One star out of five. From Elizabeth Tamney, Chicago Reader, one, one out of four. Roberts asks her students rhetorical questions. What makes art good or bad? Who decides? But the movie answers them as canonically as the syllabus Roberts abandons. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from uh, Claudia Puig, uh, two out of four from USA Today. Rather than being a fascinating exploration of a much more constrained time in our social history, the film simply feels anachronistic. Yeah. It is interesting to think about just from if you were to, you know, uh, like how critics write about things, you know, a movie about art lacks a lot of artistry and it's mm-hmm. like the way well, that it's presented or shot, you know, that's just, I don't know this. Um, yeah. For a movie that begs a lot of questions, what is art and makes it challenges that conception and notion. Yeah. There's like almost zero kind of <laughs> uh, uh, that mentality applied to the yeah, the filmmaking of this. It's pretty crazy to think about. And then we'll do one more from Tom Long, Detroit News. Give it a C. Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong. Uh-huh. Hey, it's Tom DeLong here. Tom! <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? He's like, I did not like it because there are no aliens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> Would not watch I give character. all movies that don't have aliens a C out of five. <laughs> Tom Long says an underachieving film about how much women can achieve. Featuring actors of such potential seems more than a bit cynical, even by Hollywood standards. Let's see what the audience has to say now from a 60 percentile. Six zero percent from the audience. They uh, liked it a bit more than the critics. Let's check out some scores. We'll start with uh, Glenn Wilkinson. Five stars titled great movie. I love this movie and I teach art appreciation 
at our local college. I use this movie to teach students about stereotypes and through art, we can learn from our past and each other. It is much easier after they watch the movie Pollock and then see his work in this movie. It's a great film to start a dialogue. Highly recommend A+. Plus. To start a dialogue. Hmm. From Abigail Brissett, five stars titled, This movie is extremely brilliant. I feel so bad that I've only just. This movie is really extremely brilliant. I feel so bad that I've only just seen it. I'm 21 working to pay for medical school. I've been feeling discouraged and felt like settling for something less or perhaps take the easy way. But this movie have moved me to tears and action. Women building up each other is truly the best. I will make sure to share this with my younger sisters if my future holds it. My very own daughters. Gotcha. Uh, from Isabel, titled Great Film, Five Stars. I like how the girls also change the teacher and the small plot twist of her being the one that is actually ignorant to to others' feelings. The acting is amazing. Some of the best actresses are on this film. Has many strong female roles and may be able to teach young women to not conform into the roles that society could sometimes wants to put them in. Would strongly recommend this great film. Maybe do one or two more here. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll do this one. From William C. Lloyd, five stars, titled... A work of art. I am amazed to have read reviews, including David Denby's in The New Yorker, that completely miss the main point of the movie. The women's choice thing, 50s feminism, is the plotline on which to hang a story, but the movie is about a teacher of art history who, it's hard to miss, teaches art history, and thereby helps young people discover themselves and the world. It's about the necessity of art education, and that necessity includes great music, too. But for that specific notion, we have the equally wonderful Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> oh, okay, William. Oh. <laughs> All right, William, you can't just end the review with a different movie, William. With a... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot I've noticed from here on these reviews that seem to be from teachers. There's another one here from Melissa Hardman. As a female professor, I can relate to this film. If you're a teacher or student, this is a must-see. This was set in the 50s, but it's surprisingly relevant to what I see in the classroom today. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the teachers seem to enjoy. I would, I would imagine, too, just to be able to tell a bunch of know-it-all punk-ass students to think Ooh. a little differently about their own stuck up lives. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's uh, inspiring. I think from both sides, from if you see yourself as someone who has to try to encourage someone to be themselves, how do you teach that? How do you tell someone to be yeah. independent and be themselves in that sort of way? Uh, and, and, and to be, yeah, and independent and do what, what they want to do and to, shape their minds that way and so from both sides whether you're a young person watching this movie from a coming of age side or you're an older person watching it uh trying to figure out that dynamic of things and uh there's a little bit of a love life uh, and there's a little there's a little bit of everything but um yeah it's a i think it's kind of a pretty fluffy nice tv movie um mm -hmm. In terms of like the polarization yeah. and why people are kind of disagreeing on it, 
I think it's clear that the critics are craving for something a little deeper and Mm -hmm. I can kind of, I feel like field both sides and understand where the critics are coming from there, but it's not enough for me to completely uh, hate it either, but it's not enough for me on the, from the audience side either to like be raving about it. So I think that's a little preview into probably where I'll lie, but I'll leave it to you, Cara, if you want to start off the, our own review process here. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I also see both sides and, um, I think overall, I think it's just a feel good heartwarming, you know, movie you can throw on when you just, you know, just, it is kind of empowering and uplifting in a way too. And I think the movie itself, the main message is actually not about the art, but like about, um, just considering I think William really needs really wants to watch Mr. Holland's opus again. I think he's he's thinking about that one. Um he or I mean yeah. It's more about considering all perspectives of life and mm-hmm. art and all that. So I think that's kind of the main message and I I I like to live that way too. So I resonate with that and um yeah, I don't know if I would care to watch it again anytime soon, but um, yeah, it's like a, it could be kind of considered a cozy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd give it a 68, which is a, like I was debating if yeah. I wanted to go somewhere between like 60 and mm-hmm. 70. And I just felt like 63 was a little too low. 65 was just like right in the middle, but I would say a 68 because it wasn't horrible like i liked the message of it Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah no all things considered that's a yeah that's a good score yeah and i love julia roberts like she i mean i'm a 90s baby so i grew up watching all her movies and she's just like a warm blanket to me every time i see her on screen like there's just so something so comfort comforting about her that like Mm -hmm. yeah maybe this wasn't her best performance but like it was still so comforting to see her on screen like Mm -hmm. i just i felt like she was like giving me a big hug (laughs) oh totally she's yeah oh my god she's such a like approachable she's just such a like grounded uh, yeah yeah like she is like a movie star that like i think of like of my time like of like growing Mm. up like she was one of the big movie stars that i just you know, like Tom Hanks and all those types yeah. of people, like they're just remind me of cozy times. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. I get Yeah, man. Um, James, me, you. Either way. Us. Together. Okay. Together. Constantinople. Um Istanbul. Constantinople. Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa. Uh, you gotta love a movie song title thing situation. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I ended up enjoying this movie a lot more than I weirdly thought I was going to. I don't know for some reason, since most people haven't really talked about it, I thought this movie was going to be really long and boring and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, there's you know the cover alone has like the you know has the all of them, not all of them, but most of them on that. And so, yeah, I don't know. There's, I was a little concerned about that, but then after watching it, I was pleasantly surprised in a lot of ways by this movie. I thought there was um, a lot here that uh, I was like, 
oh, that's what this is about. And I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of my criticisms and why I wouldn't rate this higher or maybe watch this as watch it, you know, like too often is I would say mainly is the directing of it, the way this movie like looks and how it moves through stuff. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy to me because I always say that uh, Goblet of Fire is my favorite <laughs> Harry Potter movie, and I love the way that that's structured and what's going on in that movie, and it's the same director. That's what I thought. So, okay, yeah. When I saw so interviews with him, I was so like, I'm pretty weird. sure he did one of the Harry Potters. Um, and this movie, yeah, it's you know, like uh, some like the critics were kind of giving it uh, you know, shit for. I agree with them that Mike, for a movie about art, this is not very artistic, and it's. Mm -hmm like in how it is made or presents itself or visually, whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, you've said by and large, most of the stuff that, you know, we had issues with, or I had issues with whatever. So yeah, I'm like at a 65% is I think where I would put myself on this. It's not bad. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to be right there with you guys. There's uh, a structure to this movie that I think can, in a way, Kara is cozy, and and you and you do kind of know the broad strokes of where it's where it's going. Where I was surprised were scenes like the the scene with Kirsten Dunst and Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, mm. where that made me like, yeah, relieved in one sense, but like that I was in a place with a movie that was able to be a little bit more delicate with some of those things and wouldn't just resort straight to yelling and screaming when the drama was going to get intense near the end of the movie. And I was a little concerned that it was headed there and ended up being a softer landing. And I appreciated that from emotion, from an emotional standpoint. Um, it didn't force Julie Roberts to end up with anybody. It gave power to, to Julia styles. Um, Julie styles. Is that her, is that her name? Julia styles. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, you know, I, I thought it was not super interesting to look at. Unfortunately, this movie, there was some lighting that I thought was that was nice in certain places. Beyond that, it was serviceable at best. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I forgot to mention that I loved I loved watching the costumes. Costumes like, are great. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's like what made me enjoy it a little bit more was just like watching all the costumes. Definitely agree. Sure. Agree with that. Uh, especially like yeah like kind of winter kind of warm or sorry like yeah the warm clothes whatever you want to describe cold weather and having uh like all i don't know and then even some of the college attire and stuff like that of of that time period of mm -hmm. them wearing all their funny little hats <laughs> to graduation yeah, and, yeah. And, and stuff like that and uh how and, uh, loose they were kind of like when they would kind of be hanging at home and how especially Maggie, a character like Maggie Gyllenhaal would just kind of like, you know, roll up the sleeves or whatever. And, and that, and that kind of thing when she was wearing like, pants mm -hmm. more yes. so than the other girls, <clears throat> all that fulfills the characters in, in a interesting way. And yeah, there's just, there's some dead ends with some of the subplots that don't end up really paying off and, and, doing a lot for me, but overall great cast and, and some uh, good performances that carry you through a coming of age story where a teacher is bringing, heralding these, 
these group this group of young girls into their uh future in uh in a time period and a period piece as well which i tend mm-hmm. to have a fun time with period pieces if they're done in uh in a way that i never really question like ooh, this is like a set or this is this doesn't feel real it's like no this is really they filmed a lot at the school and they uh yeah, and the the costumes were were good in that in that way. And I'm gonna join you guys in the sixty range. I'll do a sixty two, um, right there with you guys. And I think oh, yeah. it it very much works as like a TV movie. I would see why I would be on TBS or TNT or something. And if I were at a hotel or something, and it was, and it was, you know, little, I might flip it, flip through it, and stay on that for a bit, and flip on and come back. I don't know. We'll see, but. Uh, for now, that's where I'm going to leave it, and I'm happy we have to say that I watched it. I don't know. Yeah, it's, me uh, too. Yeah, all in all. For, for not knowing anything about it, and I think if you do know something about it, you know it's going to be that teacher kind of movie like uh, Dead Poet Society or, or Emperor's Club or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. then you'll kind of know generally if you're going to be into it or not. Uh, thank you, Kara, so much for, for joining yeah. us. I was going to say, yeah, there was this other thing. There was some drama with even the school too. I was just going to mention some of that so much. So like the Wellesley school, once the movie came out, there was like some, some people that were upset. Like the alumni was upset with how like the teachers and the people who were a part of the school in the movie were portrayed. Uh, and they, and they were pissed off about it and it made such a, they made such a stink about it that, the who was it the president <clears throat> yeah president wrote a letter in january 9th of 2004 maybe i'll read you just a, a little bit of it here just in in her response to uh everyone's feelings about the movie after it came out <clears throat> we've been hearing from many alumni who have been feeling pressure to defend the college and the quality of their own education against the distorted and demeaning portrayal of our alma mater in the film Mona Lisa Smile, released over the holidays in movie theaters across the country. Several alumni have asked for help from the administration in their efforts to set their record straight. The loyal support of alumni as vocal ambassadors for the college is an indispensable ingredient of Wellesley's continued success. With that in mind, I want to update you on steps we at the college have been taking to cushion the impact of the film and offer a few general observations about the situation from where I sit. First, it's important to keep in perspective the fact that the film is a Hollywood fantasy set in an imaginary 1953 to 1954 academic year. The authors, two men, conducted research in our archive and set the screenplay at a fictional Wellesley College. Our name is in the public domain and we could not have prevented its use, and we tried, which we didn't. Wellesley has become the iconic women's college for good and ill and was selected for that reason as the setting for this work of fiction. Second, we had no control over the film, no influence whatsoever on any editorial or artistic decisions. The movie, to a far greater extent than the screenplay we originally read, characterizes the college as rigid and hidebound and the students as rich and spoiled. This creates a foil against which the Julie Roberts character and art history teacher from California can attack the conservative mores she finds at this elite and stodgy college in icy New England. Wellesley provides the backdrop backdrop against which she challenges the administration and inspires her students to look beyond the image of what is and consider the possibilities of what could be, and so we are told. Opinion has been ranging widely and at the college and beyond about how effectively the movie conveys its message, how accurately it captures the geist of the 50s, 
and how resonant its message is today. Many professional critics have faulted the film for a lack of subtlety. Many of us have identified liberties taken with the Wellesley College we know, yet the film does attempt to raise genuine questions about women's life choices, whether one must choose between career and family and how to find one's own path when it may conflict with society's expectations or those of parents, professors, friends. We allowed Revolution Studios to film on our campus for a total of about 10 days. They shot other parts of the film on other campuses and in other locales. Most of the interior scenes are at Columbia and Yale. The town is Terrytown, New York. We decided to permit some filming at the college because, one, the producers had already decided to set the movie at Wellesley College, and the choice we faced was whether to allow them to shoot footage on our campus instead of other mm -hmm. campuses that they would then have called Wellesley. Since the beauty of our campus is a matter of special pride, the answer seemed obvious, and the shots of the campus are indeed spectacular. The early version of the script which several of us read and discussed before granting permission for the filming emphasized the intelligence of Wellesley students and their close mentoring relationships with, with dedicated faculty, two of the college's paramount strengths. I'm going a little long here, but they're the really well put together, like, I don't know, kind of statement, you know? Yeah. It's really. They, and then they know, bring up the I, time I magazine enjoy. review and mm. this is where it starts to, to get into like overall I'll read this last part. All of this is good. All of this is to the good and bolsters my confidence that the movie is unlikely to do us any lasting damage, whatever we may yeah. think of it. I do very much regret. However, the distress it has caused many alumni and especially alumni who are students in the fifties. And I'm grateful for the many op-ed articles, interviews and letters to the editor editor through which Wellesley alumni all across the country have been speaking out to correct the historical record and standing up for the college. And at one point she even mentions uh, there has been an uptick in applications to the college and people wanting to come. So she's like, whether it's actually doing harm is tough to say because we're actually becoming more popular. No, and, if anything, but, I, that, yeah, but I'm sorry if it's yeah. inaccurate and if it's hurt anybody's feelings to be portrayed that way. Sorry if that, if I went a little bit long there, but I thought that was an interesting <laughs> side of polarization that would applies to this podcast because people that had the movie made in a part about them were not happy with how it turned out. Some maybe were and uh, so much so that they had to go through this whole statement and yeah, very legal sort of <laughs> way of expressing everything. But it is funny how there's like very passive aggressive digs at things like whether uh -huh, the movie yeah. was subtle enough. And <laughs> yeah. in the parentheses it was like, this movie was also parentheses written by, two men two men really yeah just <laughs> so was trying to like you know dig at the movie and, and every chance it seemed like it could but then also recognize that it's giving them uh attention and they're appreciated <laughs> it's giving it's giving attention uh thank I just, you yeah. thank you cara again for amazing. for joining us that was yeah. that was just yeah, another little little side of things side tangent um we appreciate you adding a uh a yeah, a, a side of this that was desperately needed, which was from a woman, and it would would have felt weird too to have just two two dudes just like <laughs> you guys talk talking about Mona Lisa smile. Yeah. And this is a movie that we had nothing a, we liked knew, it knew yeah. nothing about going in. Yeah. Uh, and gonna... thank you for coming in and and helping us just to add that perspective, yeah. which was sorely needed a lot on mm. this podcast, to be honest. But um, not for this next movie. We're gonna have a a. Uh, 
a different sort of feel for this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, um, arguably the opposite. Arguably the complete opposite <laughs> movie we will be doing next week, which will be Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance, rated a 59% by critics, 83% by audience. In this Die Hard sequel, Detective John McClane is now divorced, alcoholic, and jobless after getting fired for his (laughs) reckless behavior and bad attitude. He is called back into action, however, when a cryptic terrorist, Jeremy Irons, takes New York City hostage in a lethal game of Simon Says and refuses to speak with anyone but McClane. Teaming up with street-savvy electrician named Zeus Carver, Samuel L. Jackson, McLean dashes through the city, trying to stay one step ahead of a murderous plot. Uh, So, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how it stacks up to Mona Lisa's smile. Uh, Cara, if you want to join us, uh, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, Always welcome back. Yeah, you're always welcome back. Um, I think I'll uh, watch Mona Lisa smile again. Too? Oh, Mona Lisa smiles with a vengeance. (laughs) Mona Lisa smiling again. Smiles back. (laughs) Smiles Smiles back. back. Uh, Brandon, anything uh, else you want to add before we? No, I think uh, I think we're all. uh, Yeah, we're we're, let's mose let's giddy up on out of here. I have I got nothing. (laughs) Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone out there. uh, Reach us on twitch.tv slash polarized pod. We're streaming live or uh, send us a line at gmail.com slash polarize the pod. The Gmail is polarize the pod at gmail.com. We love you all. We appreciate your service to polarizing movie discussions, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to get a my note about this song was this Constantinople song is really wild